Blog Talk Radio. You know, he got 
I don't know. It was just a bunch of Twitter beef in, in COVID 2020. Uh, that summer, remember? Even last summer and the last, ever since he's been on the ring, it's been a lot of Twitter beef, a lot of YouTube beef, a lot of Devin Haney, or should I say Bill Haney, and, and Russell going head-to-head on the Boxing Boys. Shout out to Ness. You know, it, it's been a lot of stuff. So hopefully he can get a second fight in one year. Um, but I don't know. Okay, but he's got a fight coming up. And then we got a rematch fight between uh, Matias and Anayanen. Is that how you say it? Anayanen, I think it is. Anayanen. That's the guy who actually beat Matias. I believe that was on the undercard. Yeah, that was on the undercard of Wilder Fury 2 all the way back in February 2020, the same month, actually, we talked about Gary Russell Jr.'s last fight. Uh, King Tug had kind of what would probably have been an exciting fight, um, but that, you know, COVID hit that one, so he does a replacement. Maybe it'll still be fun in the ring. Who knows? You know what I mean? Um, But I'm looking forward to that co-feature. I really want to see if Matias can bounce back from that loss against him. I shouldn't say he already bounced back from the loss. He gave us one of the better fights of the year last year, actually. Um, But I want to see him in this fight. I think it's a good fight for him. We'll see if he can get by this guy and move on with his career. Um, And then we got a variety of fight news. Uh, One of the biggest items, Shakur Stevenson and Oscar Valdez. Sounds like it's getting real, real close to being done, like contracts are sent out, terms are agreed upon, close, for uh, the MGM, April 30th, I think it is. That'll be kind of interesting because there's another fight going on, on on the East Coast, so West Coast, East Coast in one night. We'll see how that plays out, but that's a great fight. What a great night with both of those fights. Kind of sucks that they got to be on the same night if that's how it works out, but wow. Um Oh, Pauly Malignaggi is in the news <laughs> for some really just the nicest way I can say it is some really ignorant ass. You know, I hate to use the word insensitive because it'll it'll sound so snowflakey. Although a lot of people that use the term snowflake are real snowflakey when they can't, uh, you know, express everything they want on Twitter on a corporate platform, but I mean, Pauly Malignaggi said something on a boxing podcast that's like, what? About George Floyd and that whole um, tragedy right there. So, you know, that he's basically this, what this did is, and they, by the way, Triller took it down. They they canceled themselves uh, that, that show um, with Mario Lopez and Steve Kim, who's been at it for quite some time. And I don't mean in just a positive way, but he's really showing why, why you know he got kicked off Showtime for broadcasting. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Everyone can have their own opinion, but well, I'll just leave it at that. There's just straight ignorance, and like I said, I'm putting it really nicely. Uh, but no surprise there. Here's some interesting news. You know, we know now that Kimbosa's has sent some form of offer to Devin Haney, to Lomachenko, 
to uh, Javante Davis. I don't know if he – I think he said he wanted to get Ryan Garcia, have him get a fight uh, back, you know, because he's been out for over a year now. Um, it's kind of weird. They, they say they sent offers to come fight in Australia, but we also hear that, you know, he's looking for an offer from Devin Haney. That's another name that I didn't mention. He's looking for an offer from the zone because the zone, you know, Eddie Hearn did say I, I'd be willing to offer up a big, big purse, you know, a big, big lump of money for that fight with Cambosis and Devin Haney. So, We'll see how it goes, um, but yeah, supposedly he's, you know, brought out the offers, but it is kind of funky because it's like, well, is he saying, well, are you going to take my offer or do you got a better one? And he's waiting for that offer, he says. We'll get into a little bit about that. The reason why I bring that up is because let's say Devin Haney and Cambosis does fight, then, you know, what are the rest of the lightweights going to do? And Kelvin Ford... Um, actually answered a question about Lomachenko and Gervonta. Had some interesting words talking about, you know, that he tank. They're waiting on Lomachenko. They want that fight. Not waiting like they sent him an offer, but wait, like in, in 2022, that fight's going to happen. They want the fight. So it sounds like they finally want the fight, whether they saw something, you know, in that Lopez fight or whatever, he's looked damn good in his last two fights, Lomachenko, but we'll see. Is that cap or is it real? And something that Lomachenko, the reason why I'm even bringing it up is, like, as a minor segment, just something to talk about, is because Lomachenko, when talking about Haney, actually did bring something up about his top rank, um, contract took me a second to find that word about his top rate contract and so that becomes interesting especially when you hear the dates and i'll just leave it at that we'll get into it a little bit further but i remember that's what actually came to mind when i saw it i was like oh wow hold on (laughs) like wait a second if that is even a possibility of a fight which i'm not looking into it as, as Oh, dude, this fight's going to happen. You know, nothing like that. But it's interesting the time frame when, according to Lomachenko himself in an interview, he talked about when his contract is up, and it would fit, let's say, for this summer. But anyway, there are other items out there that we'll talk about. Of course, we'll have a, a you know a boxing Twitter segment where we read the, the tweets of the week. We chuckle at some fanboy stuff or scoff at it. And then we, you know, the media members, <laughs> the media members behaving like fanboys, we like to talk about them as well once in a while, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll have quick little follow-up uh, real quick, by the way, later in the show about the Crawford lawsuit, my segment from last week. Um, like I said, then a week later, it's unbelievable how many people are just focusing on the alleged racism. They're not looking at the potential, the alleged breach of contract, non-payment potentially. I've said from the start, I don't know exactly where this thing's going to go. Uh, would it go all the 
way to court is Jerry Russell Jr. as far as, far as proving any kind of racism? Is he going to have people ready to testify and say, "I heard him with my own ears say this"? Are they going to use quotes from, you know, quite a while ago? You can look back 30, 40 years and beyond and find quotes that are like, "Wow, really?" <laughs> um, I've actually seen them on Twitter a fair amount lately. You know, will, will it be just, like I said, a payout, or will it not even go to court and, it, and it'll be dropped? I don't, I don't know, but I do like to tell the whole thing rather than just focus on And I get it. I get it. A lot of podcasts, a lot of YouTube channels, a lot of Twitter accounts just like to focus on the clickbait, and that's it. And that's it. And sometimes the headline can come across as or be in a category somewhat as clickbait. You could even say that mine today, the Kelvin Ford claims Gervonta wants Lomachenko, cap or real. You could kind of say that's clickbait. When I add the detail, you'll see why it's worth mentioning. So we're going to talk about a variety of stuff. If this is your first time listening to the rope dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on Blog Talk uh, radio.com forward slash Ropeadope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Ropeadope and download the show directly there or listen to the browser. You can find the platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon Music. We're also part of the Grilling Truth Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegrillingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have and you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate Package, that will give you three free months of HBO Max, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks uh, without the additional fee that you're starting to see more and more. And boxing fans, listen up. If you go all the way to the Premier Package, that will give you HBO Max and Showtime. Part as part of the monthly fee, that's Direct TV Stream, and I think it's eleven dollars for Showtime on this platform. Just so you know. Um, okay, let's start in the ring. Like I said, not much to speak of for Joe Smith Jr. in that fight, just because. I mean, Callum Johnson would have been a full-on brawl. That would have been, a, you know, I favored Joe Smith in that fight. He kind of underachieved in his last fight, but. Against what, Blasov, I think it was, yeah. So it would have been a funner fight, and you would have given Kelly Johnson a, a much better chance to win, obviously, or at least just make it a two-way fight the whole time um, rather than the guy he fought. But, you know, it is what it is, right? COVID, injury, stuff happens. We're already starting to get some COVID. You know, this one was COVID. We have a, This weekend we got a COVID dropout in the opening fight. Um, it is what it is. We're still dealing with this thing. Um, you know, just be happy that you can actually go to arenas and stuff like that. Okay. For now anyway. But yeah, I mean, if we're already midway through January, I assume everything's going to be still full throttle, but you know, he, uh, he made fairly easy work with, uh, Jeff Rard. Don't get me wrong. Jeff Rard had, you know, I don't know. He he jabbed pretty well. He had these little moments. He landed this nice little combo with an uppercut here and there. But overall, you know, 
he did start to kind of cover up and fade a little bit come the probably the well what would have been the midway point the fifth and sixth round um and you know even by the sixth round the punch stats were flashed on the screen at 159 to 71 for Joe Smith here. So he dominated. There's really no, it was the ninth round uh, KO. Dude didn't get up, even though they said his corner was coming up, but he wasn't getting up anyway. So it is what it is. Joe Smith Jr., at least he, you know, got a camp, got a fight, got to go almost nine rounds. So that's, that's positive. Now, as far as his next fight against Peter Biev, or better be a beater be a Harvey say it because you know we hear it in four different ways. Um, I, you know I don't know when they talk. You know Bob Aram was I think it was on Fight Hype and uh, with Pugmire I believe. Is that Pugmire? Anyway, um, he spoke of that Ramadan is going to kind of cause an issue to be to to have to push it back, which makes a lot of sense. We're already close to February. Ramadan's not that far away, so you're obviously not going to get a fight in before it. And then, you know, your body does fatigue during that time, obviously. I mean, during the once the sun's up till the sun's down, you know, can't eat. So that that's obviously going to, you know, cause some issues with you. And I'm not trying to not issues, but, you know, you're not going to be at your best health-wise as an athlete. You know, that, man, when you think of, like, that time frame in Akeem Olajuwon during the playoffs, it always, uh, uh, I always look back at it and I go, wow. But anyway, um, so Bob said we may have to push it till, you know, later in the summer, maybe even September, he said. Because, you know, you, you go through Ramadan, then you got to build your body back up and get it ready and then have a camp. So that does make sense, it, you know, if, if you're able to get a, you already got a fight in and you're going to fight in September, you know, that's probably pretty good. Joe Smith isn't getting any younger. Does he need to take another fight and get hurt or uh, just take more punishment? Probably not, especially when you're going in with one of the biggest punchers in the sport of boxing. With Bedrick Piaf, you know. If you heard that little mute, I just coughed randomly. So, I think that's what he should be focused on fully and I'm not saying he hasn't been trying to make this fight or anything like that but we heard comments not long ago with Bob Arum and the Bivol fight the beat better be a Bivol and he says that fight's not going to happen it's too boring Bivol basically is just boring so why would I ever make that fight and I understand people are you know it's not just him being boring when he fights it's who he's been fighting lately you know and just in general, you know, Joe Smith Jr., he fought, got hurt late, but he, he pretty much handled him. Um, you know, Joe Smith Jr. does talk a lot about how he wasn't 100% in that fight. You know, it is what it is. Um, he fought, you know, an ancient Jean Pascal, which we know why he had that little surge at the last part of his career now that he popped for all those PEDs, but... Yeah, it's just one of those things. Since he's been on the scene, he's got a ton of skill and everything, got the length, got the boxing skills, isn't necessarily really trying to push the fight all the time, but he's a he's a talented fighter. And he would be a handful for anybody, but that fight's not going to happen as we know it right now. And, you know, we've heard Peter Biev 
isn't going to be tied to top rank all that much longer. If he, I don't know the actual contract right now. I've heard there's been rumors about he, whether it's one fight or he's no longer on it or what, I don't know. But he obviously has a connection to him because he's been fighting on ESPN and ESPN Plus. And then obviously with Joe Smith Jr., he fought on ESPN, right? So think that they could make this fight. So hopefully it gets made. It'd be a really solid, great fight at the weight class. You know, two top five guys going at it. Sign me up. That would be great. Now the co-feature, Abraham Nova beat uh, Incarnacion. Or not, Incarnacion, I think it is. Um, you know, the fir- he landed, I think in the first round, it was like, first or second round, it was like a big right hand. That was kind of what separated. But other than that, it was Nova from Puerto Rico. And, and PR was definitely in the house. You could hear some folks in there, you know, getting down. Uh, it was mostly jabs. Mostly jabs. What was up? with the double screenshot of the mask, his mascot. You know, it's one thing to flash that during a, re- you know, a round or maybe a, before the fight starts, or like uh, during the break of the round, I should say. Um, but during a live fight, I don't need, to, first, I don't, I don't need a double screen of a mask, of his mascot, right? I don't need that per se, but I don't need an extended one. It was like a normal, let's see the highlight clip, you know? So that one, I just wrote that in my notes, like, what the hell was that? But beyond the jab and, like I said, a couple of nice right hands, it wasn't until maybe that fourth, fifth, and sixth where um, Abraham Nova, who's now 21-0 and um, with 15 KOs, he really started digging to that body. I mean, really. Now, Incarcion, you know, he landed a, a decent combination. Um, he landed, you know – a couple of good uppercuts from time to time. Um, one thing I mentioned with, no- or one thing I saw with Nova that I want to mention is his, he just doesn't throw the right hand enough. He needs to throw the right hand to the head more. He throws it to the body sometimes or like an uppercut, uppercut form. But um, don't get me wrong. He was controlling pretty much every you know second of this fight. But I did notice that it's like, it's like he was a little apprehensive to throw just a straight right hand. Like I mentioned, he didn't do well to the body. In the 6th and 7th, at times, there was some two-way stuff. Even in the 7th round, um, that's when Nova really closed strong, and it seemed like he had hurt Encarnacion. Um, and then, the, like, a flurry to the body and head TKO, it was over. Um, so a good win by Nova. And uh, we'll just keep, you know, keep an eye on him. He's calling out everyone. He is a featherweight. Obviously, you know, Navarrete is, is there, or Navarrete uh, is there, um, and he's calling him out. And that might be an interesting fight. Maybe he needs another fight or two to really have uh, a full-on chance to win the fight. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, it was a good performance by him. Like I said, he controlled the action. Used his jab really well. I, I really like what he did to the body. He just kept increasing that over and over, and, and so that was you know that was um, that was a good little good little outing there for sure. Um, obviously, you know, on Saturday night, a lot of the attention was on the NFL. Their ratings, you know, in in January, and then obviously 
of Super Bowl are just crazy. You know, I think one of the I think one of the I can't remember which one it was, but one of the games this last weekend peaked at fifty million. It's pretty crazy. But anyway and, and most of them were blowouts. Like there was only one good game on the whole wild card weekend. But um so the reason why I say that is because even the rating didn't do good, you know, it was under five hundred thousand. I think it was like four sixty or something. That's just an average. I don't know the peak. But even they had a USC prelim. I think it was a prelim. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe that was a normal card. Yeah, maybe that was a normal card. Maybe it wasn't a prelim. Because I think their, their pay-per-view is coming either this weekend or next week in their first pay-per-view of the year. But I can't remember. I think that's – maybe it wasn't a prelim. But either way, it didn't – that one was under 502. I think it was like 482. So, you know – um, it normally would have a good lead-in, but even the lead-in struggled because NFL just – it's hard to – you can't – it's not about it's hard to compete. You can't. You can't compete. you got to, like – you got to use it. That's about it as far as, like, a lead-in, and it's tough to do that, you know. So, all in all, though, uh, as far as – I didn't see every undercard fight on that, but, um, there, there, you know, the – that's about all I got for you on that one. Um, you know what? There was – something was up with my ESPN Plus app uh, two days ago, and I forgot to check it today. I had to take it off, put it back on, but for whatever reason, it kept – like I tried to do the replay to watch some of the other card stuff because there was a knockout that I wanted to see the full fight in. But I can't, I can't describe the whole fight or anything because I didn't get a chance to see it. So maybe I'll I'll bounce back and, and, and check that out, especially on the prospect level stuff when they're not necessarily fighting anybody. But this was actually a, an interesting fight. I just can't give you the full detail on how the fight went because I couldn't I couldn't get my damn app to work. Um, and you know ESPN Plus for the most part, I can't really remember it giving me much of a problem at all. Now, I, I only go on there a handful of times, but. Like, you know, go on there just to watch the fights, and that's about it. I mean, every once in a while I've gone in there for, like, a Big 12 college basketball game that's just sitting there archived that I didn't see or, or something like that. But maybe I'll go on there for, like, a sports documentary, you know. But, yeah, I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't get to it, unfortunately. Um, now, for this weekend, like I mentioned, Gary Russell Jr., against Mark McSayo, or McSayo. You know, McSayo is coming off, you know, a a pretty hard fight, if we're being honest. You know what I mean? He he really, um, he was in, I want to say it was the last last fight. Or no, wait, I, I think I'm confusing somebody. McSayo... Yeah, yeah, he was he was in Julio uh, Seja. He was in with the Julio Seja. That's why I thought it was. I had to double check just in case. But that was the back and forth fight. I remember early in that fight. I think it was the first round, and Seja was down. Uh, got back up. You know the cards were you know competitive. Actually, let me check the cards. I remember they were fairly competitive at the stoppage. It was a TKO in either the ninth or 10th round, something like that. But, but um, midway through the fight, 
Then Maxayo got dropped by Seha. And he ended up, yeah, here's the scorecards at the stoppage in the 10th, 86-83, 86-83, and 82-87. Um, and that's, of course, with the knockdowns. Yeah, the, the round 10 and round 1, Seha was down. And, you know, Seha is, you know, he's a tough customer, dude. I mean, he just, his fight before that one, and this is like, well, actually, it wasn't like a year off. It was less than a year. But his fight before that was with Brandon Figueroa. And that was uh, that was on – was that on the – it was on the Wilder Ortiz part two. That was a free – that was a draw. I mean, that was a brawl. That was a tough, tough fight for Figueroa. So the thing about – like, I thought that fight really helped kind of show where he's at. He's 23 and 0, 16 KOs. Mike Sayo, I'm speaking of, and the reason why I say that is because prior to that, you know, he had Herm Seal, or I think it's Herm Seal. That was a decent fight for him. That was actually a pretty close fight. Um, it was a split decision. That was a while ago. Um, and I'm trying to let me look at his. I don't really think there's really much before that. I mean, even Chris Avalos. He's been fighting for a long time. In 2016, that actually was seen as a good prospect fight, right? Um, so was Yardley Cruz. Man, I forgot he fought him. I didn't realize that he froze so long ago. I mean, I guess it's not that long, but they've been kind of moving him at a mediocre pace, and maybe that's going to be really good for him. The fact that he got the Seha fight. Ended up winning it. Like I said, I thought he, I don't know, I kind of thought he, he, he showed a little, like his defense got exploited a little bit in that uh, fight, I would say, anyway. Um, so, I, the biggest thing to me in this fight, obviously hands feet, right? And and when you look at that, actually someone just sent me the uh, – the Seha uh, McSayo, the margin as far as copy box goes, 163 to 158. So, I mean, that was, that's tight. You know what I mean? That's pretty damn tight. Um, but like I was saying, the biggest thing with this fight is, I just think the hand speed, the overall skill, this fight is kind of custom made for Gary Russell Jr. It's a mandatory to keep his belt. He fights a lot of mandatories because if you only fight once a year, you're due a mandatory, right? But he's been fighting some – I mean, he fought Jojo Diaz. Um, you know, he, he's been fighting some solid dude. He fought uh, King Tug. Um, you know, so he, he's been fighting some good good fighters. And I, I'd say it's a good fighter. It's a good fight. Let, let's see what happens when Magseo steps up. On paper, though, I think it's like – Actually, let me check the odds real quick. It, it's a clear odds favorite. I mean, I I see the lowest I see Magsayo is plus 240, and I see him all the way up to plus 425. Somewhere in the low 300s is kind of the average for him. So he's a 3-to-1 underdog. That's somewhat sizable. Um, not crazy, though, in the sport of boxing. You know, 2-3-1 and three and one is not that crazy. Um, but you know, when you've been out of the ring for almost two straight years, no matter if you're 
staying sharp or not, old man River, no, old man Rust, you know, creep up. It really can. And I don't know. There, There is a, a scenario where early in this fight, Russell isn't as sharp as he normally is, and he gets hit with some big shots. And maybe Magsayo, you know, could take advantage of that. I mean, he's going to have to. you got to start fairly fast against a guy like Russell because at some point he's going to figure you out, especially when it's on these two different levels, on paper anyway. But I think Magsayo, beyond catching him with something pretty big in the opening couple of rounds and then bringing consistent pressure, yeah, sure, smart pressure. You don't want to just go balls to the walls unless you got to hurt, you know. But, you know, Russell can fight at range. He can circle you. He can pivot. He can clinch. He's pretty good on the inside as well. He can dig to the body. He's pretty crafty as well. He's a tough dude. We just don't see him enough, right? Um, And even when he was technically with Al Heyman, he still was content to fight once a year. He did turn down some, you know, decent paydays or, you know, for some fights to fight a second time. He did turn down some decent names for fights or for money he didn't feel was enough. And that was his own prerogative. It does seem like he does want some big fights down the stretch of the last parts of his career. It was pretty sad to hear that. um, I think we reported this last week, maybe it was the week before, that his pops um, had to amputate his foot, I believe. Someone said leg, too. I think it was foot. Uh, but either way, it's horrible. And I think something, you know, I think it had to do with the, his diabetes, um, which is, that's always rough, man. So, um, you know, my thoughts definitely go out to the, you know, Russell Sr. and just the, the Gary Russell. You know, I anticipate him getting enough rust off in the early goings where he'll win the fight. And like Jojo Diaz and some others, even King Tunk, they had some success. I don't know if I put, you know, Jojo and King Tunk. I'm not sure about Max Sayo if he's on, even on that level. Um, we're going to find out in this fight where he's at, you know. And like, like I said, I believe it's a WBC uh, mandatory. Um, so I have him winning. I have him winning uh, by decision. And um, I think it's going to be clean. Max Sayo will win. And maybe two to three rounds, something like that, in over 12 rounds. Now, something interesting of late, though, has kind of popped up. And although you hear fighters plenty of times say, you know, like bumps is, you know, you have bumps and bruises and, you know, stuff happens. But nobody goes into a fight completely healthy is my point, Right. But he actually talked about, he's dealing, and this is from uh, DAZN, is where I saw it on, on uh, Twitter, Gary Russell reveals slight injury ahead of mandatory. So, the, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, he said, this is what he said during the Zoom uh, conference. Like I said, this is on DAZN. He said, uh, I've never gone into my fights 100%, to be honest with you. I do have a little slight injury, but I prefer not to elaborate on it until after the fight. We're going to get through this fight. 
We're still going to make things shake, and then we'll go ahead and put it out there after all said and done. So to me, that's like, it, that just kind of feels like it's more than just a little, you know what I mean? I don't know. So when you hear stuff like that, you start to go, huh, two years out of the ring, quote-unquote slight injury. But if it's a slight injury, why are you going to say, well, we'll talk about it after the fight because this thing's fucked up. You know, like I just I – he didn't say that. But it's just kind of like, well, why would you need to talk about it after the fight if it's a slight injury? Like it just kind of makes me think that it's more than just slight. You know, it's hard not to think that. And then you combo that, so you got a slight injury. You got the time out of the ring. And then he even said he's been kind of training himself because his pops has fallen on some bad times here with, with, with his health. So it's like, damn, so you don't even have a full-time trainer? We've seen, uh, even at the highest level, uh, Nonito Donaire. And how he came out looking kind of, eh, remember when uh, him and Robert Garcia, yeah, we talk on the phone every night, but they weren't actually training in a gym constantly with each other. So, I don't know. It kind of makes me feel like we got a little bit of an upset alert. It's only this, you know, or if you would asked me this 10 days ago, a couple weeks ago, I would have said, uh, it seems like he's kind of custom-made for him. He's got some quick feet, quick hands, got some explosiveness a little bit, some power. He can pop. But uh, I just think he's too loose. When he punches, he gets a little wide. He gets a little open. I just, I, I think I think he's set up. His style is kind of set nicely for Gary Russell Jr., but when you put in, he hasn't had a full-time trainer. Almost two years out of the ring and a slight injury that he's going to talk about after the fight? Like, that doesn't sound slight. So anyway, without repeating myself a hundred times, <laughs> I'm going to pick Gary Russell Jr., but putting out a flyer, I'm just going to say right now, don't be afraid to put out a flyer on the youngster, okay? Don't. You just never know. You just never know there. So it does kind of make me think, huh. Anyway, the co-feature, like I said, King Tug has got a replacement opponent. Hopefully it's good fun, you know, good good fun fight. Good fun for all, right? Hopefully it was good at the Pius. I think it's Pasias or Pius. That's the guy who uh, Aleem just beat. And Vic. And he's now, I think he went back to 126 where he feels a little more comfortable. We were going to see if he, you know, King Tug was going to be able to beat him. Because King Tug just jumped up to a weight class to fight late, late uh, replacement to fight uh, Col- Colbert. So, we'll see. Anyway, on the undercard, uh, Matias, who's 17-1 with like, 16 KOs or 17 KOs? Has he knocked out everyone besides who he lost? I think that's it. He did lose, though, um, about two years ago. We talked about it about, yeah, about 23 months ago, give or take. Um, on the cards, it was a 10-round ten, ten fight, 96-93, uh, 95-94, 95-94, to Petros, uh, 
Anion? Uh, is that what it is? Anion? Anion? I can't remember how to say his name, but he fought hard that night. And if I remember correctly, wasn't he coming off like a tight decision? I should look that up. I'm pretty sure because I know he lost to that Claggett dude. I remember that. But I think he lost to somebody else. Yeah, Kareem Martin. I'm looking at it right now. It was a mild decision, majority decision. I don't remember watching that fight too much, though, for some odd reason. But anyway, he came out and, you know, able to knock down uh, Matias in the seventh round. He looked damn good. And, you know, since that loss that he took, Matias, he came back and fought a prospect in Malik Hawkins, you know, stopped him. Um, and then Jukumbayev last year, him him and Jukumbayev went to war. Dude, that was that was one of the better fights the whole year. And Matias is just kind of a workman's type guy, man. He's trying to knock you out. And I did see something on Twitter today. Um, they were talking about you know Matias has this fight basically been scheduled for a while. He's been secluded. He's had a full camp. They were saying this is what it is. Matias has been secluded training with William Zapata's team in Mexico, so that's a good good sign. A properly trained Matias will stop him late in the fight. I just hope uh, their corner is aware they didn't face a 100% Matias last time and willing to throw the towel in to avoid tragedy. Jesus Christ. Like, do you have to, do you have to talk about that? <laughs> Can't you just say he's going to knock him out? you got to bring it up. If you don't stop this fight, oh, boy, he's going to, you know, it's like, damn. Are you threatening him with death? No, um, I'm making light of the situation, obviously, because he's talking about it's going to be a tragedy and all that. I bet you he doesn't get a lot of shit for that. Anyway, so let's see. Let's see if, you know, he wasn't maybe, because dude just came off on a loss. You know, maybe he did kind of have, his guard down, you know, maybe he did. Um, I wouldn't call it a quick turnaround per se, but what he fight once again. Yeah, so it wasn't a quick turnaround. I'm looking at it right now. He fought November 30th, 2019, and then fought in February. So he had fought in June in March prior to that. So, yeah, I mean – I'd say minor turnaround for his career, but that can't be an excuse. So maybe he just wasn't taking it serious all the way. And he just kind of, it was a good wake-up call for him. It it does kind of feel like that was the case because these last two fights, he's looked damn good. You know what I mean? He really has. And we'll see. I think it's going to be a good fight, though. It is kind of funky, though, I got to admit. So, like, see... When you beat him, and I think everybody that saw the fight thought that he lost the fight, Matias, but he's he's a pretty strong favorite. I, the lowest I see is plus 300, and I see all the way to plus 400 for the guy who beat him in the ring. So that, you know, when I look at, what was I saying, the, the plus 300-ish, something like that, plus 270. Five plus three, three hundred for Maxeo. 
I don't know, man. You know, I'm looking at it like, huh, maybe it's an underdog weekend. Sakari uh, Lucas is the, uh, by the way, is the um, replacement fighter on that one. So I'm actually going to go with Matias. I, I like what I saw in the last couple fights. I think he's going to b- bounce back. I sure hope nothing happens bad like they were talking about in that tweet, but we'll see. I'm really interested. I'm like, I'm more interested in the co-feature than I am in the main event. The main event, like I laid out, there is a lot of intrigue um, because of the time away and all this stuff I said. So, um, you know, we're warming up. We're starting to get some more fights uh, that are being, you know, that's being announced. And a perfect segue is Shakur Stevenson and Oscar Beldez, April 30th. Um, I mean... Damn, you know, sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. That would be freaking great. I would love that fight. I think, you know, the, the way Bob talked about it, like I said, that they literally agreed to terms and the contracts are being sent out. So it's just a matter of signing them and getting them back. And the only, you know, the only thing that some people mentioned, Eddie Hearn, especially in an interview lately, on uh, IFL TV was that'll be the same night. Now this is in Las Vegas at the MGM, uh, Stevenson and, and Valdez, which is a great fight. It's kind of funny because not long ago at, at, at 126, they were talking about it there because they're both in the top rank. Valdez went up, made a bunch of noise at 130, and then they were talking about, okay, that's going to be the next fight. Cause some people were like, why don't they just make that fight instead of the Herring fight? You know? And they, went through the process, and they did it. And then after Shakur beat Herring, it was like, well, we're going to have, uh, I remember Bob saying, Stevenson is going to fight Burchell, and then Navarrete is going to fight Oscar Valdez. And I remember a while back, Bob said in an interview that, when they talked about this fight, Oscar and, and Stevenson, that Oscar's team said they didn't want it right now. They want the Navarrete, then that. Um, but then recently he said Eddie Reynoso is actually the one that stepped up and said, hey, this is the fight we want. So they did get it done. Because they had been talking about it for the last year and change. He kept saying, okay, the next fight we're going to try to – the next fight we're going to – you know, so – he had to get up to 130, Stevenson, after Oscar did. And, and now, you know, uh, Veldez had that great knockout. Now, clearly some PED stuff got in the way of his last one. And, and some people didn't even think he won his last fight. You know, and that guy's actually getting a um, a fight against Adrian Martinez in a couple of weeks, which I think is a good fight for him to bounce back after that debacle. But I'm ready. For, I mean, this is a good fight. I like it. I know a lot of people think that uh, Oscar Beldez style, um, it's kind of a mixed match style, really, because he doesn't, he isn't this come forward brawler all the time. Don't get me wrong, he's the, the Mariaga and plenty of other fights. He's shown that. He's hit the canvas. He's been hurt. He's been in some brawls, dude. But he's also shown some real skill from the outside. 
and I thought he put it all together against Burchelt. Now, clearly, Burchelt and Stevenson, completely different style, so you're not going to necessarily fight the same way. I don't think you're going to try to outbox Stevenson. Um, but he's shown that, you know, even before that. He works the body a lot. He does the Oscar Valdez. He's seen that throughout his career at featherweight in 130. I think it's just a great fight. But back to what I was saying, that same night at MSG in New York, Serrano and Taylor are going to fight. That's all been done. And Eddie Hearn said, you know, between me and Jake Paul, his platform, he says it's going to – it's funny because he said the Oscar Valdez-Shakur Stevenson fight is more of a casual fan, or is more of a hardcore. But he said the Serrano and Taylor is more of a casual. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't, I don't really I, – I don't know about that. I hear what he's saying. Because obviously, you know, Jake Paul will bring some attention to it over here. Uh, a lot more than Eddie Hearn would bring it attention over here. People don't know. Casual fans of boxing, they barely know many boxers, let alone promoters. And that may hurt Eddie's feelings or, you know, his, his fanboy's feelings. But it is true. I mean, if that was the case, the zone, you know, would have been just popping here. Um. But to say that's a crossover, like, a, for the casual fights, fight fans, I don't know about that either. I think they're going to be able to draw some fan base, though, that's for sure. Uh, Puerto Rican against Irish in MSG? Yeah, I think that's going to sell. I think both of them will sell pretty well. They're on different coasts, so that helps a lot. Um, but let's see what they have in store on ESPN. You know, at that time, April 30th, that means the NBA um, uh, playoffs will be on. And I only say that because if they get a lead-in, you know, if they have a lead-in, and that's a West Coast, you know, fight, obviously, so I'm thinking about it time-wise, maybe the East Coast isn't going to like the time of this one on the main event, but if they get a lead-in from the NBA during the playoffs, which would probably be $2 million and up, matters the matchup could be way more than that that could be huge for ratings so you know let's see about that I, I understand Eddie Hearn's got to say what he's got to say and obviously Jake Paul can put eyes on it and you know if this fight is on the zone is it going to be on the zone is it going to be on pay-per-view like a discounted pay-per-view where's it going to be because that has something to do with it too is you know I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be on the zone here. I really don't have a clue. I, I, I think it would. You know, I'm pretty sure. But it might be on pay-per-view. Maybe that's their first pay-per-view because they talk about they're going to do a fall. Well, it wouldn't be their first pay-per-view because they've done Canelo pay-per-views on the zone. Um, but they've been talking more like having pay-per-views in the UK. So... I don't know. I mean, that plays into it, too. I don't know the, the – like I said, I don't know if the NBA has a game on ESPN that night. But if it does, that would help tremendously. So we'll see. Either way, I think they're both mostly hardcore fight fans. But the combination of the NBA lead-in and what ESPN can do for that fight a little bit and then what Jake Paul can do here, maybe these are the hardcore fights that, you know, 
will both get some casuals involved. That's what I hope. He also said that not only is it the biggest woman's fight, it's one of the biggest fights of all time. Come on now. Come on, Eddie. You could say it's the biggest woman's fight of all time. That's cool. But to say it's one of the best fights of all time, like, come on, just, just calm down a little bit. We, we going to go back to 1890? I mean, that's a lot of time. Anyway, um, so I, I'm so happy that fight's getting made. And now, you know, we talked about Stevenson saying this next fight's going to surprise some people, and it may put me on the pound-for-pound pound list. Now we know what he's talking about. Obviously, he'd have to win that. And, you know, Oscar Valdez kind of took, you know, some, some hits in his last fight. No pun intended. For obvious reasons, I mean, his performance in the ring was a close fight, which is, that's fine. But obviously the PD thing was pretty weird, you know, um, and how that fight got to carry on. It was real shaky. So he needs to kind of redeem himself, too. And so he should be motivated. And, you know, he's had shaky performances before, and then all of a sudden he puts up that Burchell performance, which if you, if you said that was the knockout of the year, I'm not going to – you won't hear as much complaints from me because um, that was a great performance, definitely. It probably put him in the top, what, five or top ten, at least, for sure, top ten of fighter of the year just based off that knockout in the win. It was a high-level win at the weight class at 132. So I'm looking forward to that fight. That's a great fight. Keith Thurman said in an interview, and who did he, what interview was, I think it was actually on the press conference for like with Fox, um, maybe it wasn't a presser. Maybe it was just an individual interview with him through Fox. But Keith Thurman said the Mario Barrios fight is a WBC title eliminator. However, Jake Donovan from BoxingScene.com he cleared that up. He said, "Oh, it's a title eliminator, but it's not a final title eliminator." Because there's a, there's already guy there that's been looking for a big fight so he can do it. Um, Connor Ben's not taking the fight right now. Virgil Ortiz isn't take, taking the fight against this guy just yet. Um, we'll see. Avenesian is who I'm talking about, by the way. And I'm not saying those guys are ducking him. You know, I'm not saying that. Um, I think Ortiz beats him. I really do. Connor Ben, I think he beats him, but that's a close fight. Um, but Eddie Hearns made it clear that, you know, he's going to build them the right way. And he's done a great job with them so far. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of fights. Um, he's look, he is, he's improving in the ring. Now we'll just see him as he steps all the way up. We'll see though. Um, but it is, it is a WBC title limiter, but they even came out and said it. It's not a final title limiter. Now, does that mean that Keith Thurman, if he wins the fight, can't fight Spence because of that? No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. Or fight Crawford, maybe? No, it doesn't mean that. And I already went over the scenarios of what I think it would take last week to make that fight or how this summer will play out if, in fact, Thurman and Spence wins their fight, whether they fight each other, whether Spence has to, you know, face the this, like they make a face that WBA Mando. Remember, this whole tournament got messed up on that side, luckily. But we don't know if, if, if the winner is going to force that or not. So maybe Thurman could fight Crawford or somebody. I don't know. But we already talked about that last week, so I don't want to go too deep into it. Real quick, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this dude. Paulie Malignaggi 
has been on the show multiple times. Um, you know, I used to be a big, big supporter of him, but he is his ignorance level. And just, you know, you can only be ignorant for so long. And then you can start to be called racist. And he's, he's always on that. There's a lot of code words that people like Montero and Steve Kim and all these guys, Mario Lopez, all these guys, they like to use these code words that are super ignorant. They're just diff- they just replace words that they really want to use, right? And that's my opinion, but it's pretty obvious. And Paulie, you know, the reason why he got kicked off of the broadcast is because he spewed some bullshit. First of all, why is this stuff getting talked about on a boxing podcast per se? Now, is that hypocritical of me because I'm talking about it? Well, I didn't bring this shit up randomly, you know? I'm talking about it based off that. Like, for what he said about oppression in the 2000s, like I said, all you got to do is Google some shit, and you'll find a bunch of stuff that goes right in the face of what he said. And when you're going to be talking, you know, when you're going to be broadcasting black and Hispanic fighters of most of the time, and you say some ignorant shit like that, I can understand. I can understand. Now, this shit about George Floyd, the way he describes it, and I'd play audio, but their podcast is now on the Triller app, which is just a perfect fit for them. But, I, um, I'm not going to play any audio of anything because it got got taken down. They canceled themselves. Um, you know, it is what it is, right? But they were chuckling the way he described the George Floyd thing. Um, you know, basically George Floyd died because he resisted arrest, right? And and, you know, you, you don't have what he said is like six or seven hours to bring someone in and still have like two or three hours of paperwork, although three hours of paperwork, really? But anyway, you know, he said, well, you know, in Chauvin, he's not really a nice guy, you know, and this, that, and the other, but he said, you know, tempers were, were hot or whatever. I'm not going to quote exactly, but he said basically he was aggravated. You know, these things, these things happen, you know, and it's like, well, and he called him a crackhead, right? So, but, you know, he had time. If he doesn't have all this time to arrest him, he had, like, damn near ten minutes, eight, nine minutes of just sitting on dude with his neck in his head when he said he can't breathe. He's calling for his mom. So to sit there and be that, that level of ignorance and that level of, like I said, just insensitive. Like, dude, really? So this is what you can make your point? You don't have to make a point about this scenario. You can just say, hey, I, you know, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to talk about this guy anymore. Fuck this guy. Anyway, you know, he put his foot in his mouth again. He just does it nonchalantly. They're laughing up a storm. It is what it is. I just wanted to say, hey, I talked about it. It's done. I'm going to move on. I'm not going to keep talking about this guy. Um, what else we got? What else we got news-wise? Oh, a little bit, and I don't want to spend much time on this either because I did a segment last week about the Terrence Crawford lawsuit. So literally, I got a bunch of messages talking about why would you ignore the racism part of the lawsuit. And I didn't ignore it. I didn't ignore it, right? But as I said last week, 
I don't know who he like. Let's say this thing, and I don't think it'll actually go to actual court. Like where they're in the courtroom, and it's a trial. They could have maybe, maybe some testimony. You know, look under the hood, like they did for that Golden Boy Al Heyman suit, where you get some testimony, you get some facts, and you get some paperwork to read, but. My guess is it, it either won't, it'll be either thrown out or it'll be settled. That's my guess. But my point is the reason why I didn't spend a bunch of time on the, the alleged racism is because I said, do they have – I played an audio, right, of somebody. Are they going to have multiple people come to the courtroom and vouch for them hearing Bob Aram saying racist stuff? Because – if that's the case, and you have three to five to ten people or something all go in there, and they're respected in their businesses, although, you know, it's just boxing and respect, whatever. But, you know, like, could you, you know, and then you could bring up quotes from, like I said, the last 40 years. He said some real racy shit, you know, whatever, right? But the reason why is because that's harder to prove. But people keep saying I see this all over the place that you can't sue for racism. Are you fucking dumb? I don't like to say that word much. Are you dumb? But, dude, what do you mean you can't sue for racism? Of course you can. But it doesn't mean it's going to work in this one. My thing is I wanted the other – the reason why I focused on the breach of contract is because there's a potential fight that he didn't get and potential money. That was almost a million dollars, $900,000 that he didn't get allegedly. So that's the that's the meat and potatoes of the lawsuit. The other stuff, I'm not just going to call it window dressing, but it's not, you know, that's harder to prove. Whereas if they said this, and also I tried to focus a little bit about was he straight up misleading him, you know? Was he lying to him? Was he saying, hey, just like he did with the Pacquiao fight. I got this Pacquiao fight. I got this Pacquiao fight. I got this Pacquiao fight. It's coming. We're almost done. We're going to get it. And then it never comes It never comes true. You know, did he have him sign for Kabaloskis? Because they say, this is alleged, that they have the Spence fight next. You can get the Spence fight next. Just, just sign this and do that. You know, so, and that was around the extension time, too. You know, if you back it up another year. So there is some shaky stuff. Now, where does the, the, the 2020 COVID um, stuff take place? You know, you'd have to – they didn't start making really real August. I think – I actually think Zapata and Ramirez, or was it Ramirez and Postal? Maybe it was Ramirez and Postal, but I think that was in August of 2020. So once – because that's when Showtime schedule started – because remember, Top Rank did those, like, eight weeks of, like, kind of club fights. You know, they had to – they weren't working with – you know, they it was tough. They didn't have a lot of budget. Not just that, but, you know, you couldn't fly in people from overseas at that time and, and all that stuff. But anyway, that's – you know, is does that play into it or is it past that? Because once you started, you know, they – I don't know. There's a lot that goes into it. I don't want to keep going down this path. But that's why I tried to focus on – stuff you could maybe prove fully because it's right there in the paperwork allegedly, you know, rather than I'm not sure if that would 
fly in court? You know, I don't know. I don't know. It would really have to be either a tape recording or, you know, but if he's just saying some random stuff, it's going to be harder to get money off of that. Of course, if you're not saying that about other fighters, but they're not, they'll probably always be able to find Bob Arum talking shit about his fighters, whether it's Oscar, you know, a Mexican-American, whether they're, they're always going to find, so he'd be like, hey, could they find him say something about a white fighter? You know what I mean? And they'd be like, well, dude, he says this to everybody. That's just Bob, you know? And whatever. So that's why I didn't just – I mean, there's people that did full podcasts and, and full videos and on their Twitter feed that just talked about the racism. They didn't even barely even discuss, you know, the potential breach of contract. So that was my point. That was my point. Um, so there was this interview – with Ellie Setback on ES, ES News, um, and he was talking to Kelvin Ford, and they mentioned a Lomachenko fight. Now, obviously, this would have to be Cambosis against Haney. That probably means DeZone and Eddie Hearn put up a bunch of money, and that's how that fight got made. Now, Bob Arum wants Lomachenko in, in, in Cambosis too, right? And who knows? I mean, Right now, as it stands, do you have to wait two weeks when you fly to Australia? By the time May comes in, do you have to, you know, are you going to have to do your full camp there? Because you can't start a camp, you know, do a month or six weeks, then fly and sit there for two weeks, not be in camp, and then restart your camp and then fight. That's not going to work, you know. And then if you go out there ten weeks or something, so you could – Train a little bit, go out there, sit for, you know, sit for two weeks or whatever, if it's 10 days, and then start your camp. And that's doable as far as, yeah, dude, you'd have two months, but it's expensive just to have a 10-week stay someplace. That's not cheap. And, yeah, these guys are making real money, but to stay someplace for 10 weeks, that's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of money. So, I don't know. I don't know. My whole point is, if Cambosis and Haney, I'd say, like I've said all the time, Devin Haney or Vasily Lomachenko, I, I believe, if it's going to be any of these guys, I think, you know, uh, Gervonta and Ryan won't, they won't fight him next. I don't, I don't believe. But it, Devin Haney and Lomachenko, I think, have the best shot at getting the fight in Australia. But by May, if it's different, it wouldn't even need to be by May. Maybe it'd be earlier because the two-week thing might cause a problem. We'll see. But Kelvin Ford said, he said they're waiting on the Lomachenko fight this this, this year in, in 2022. These fights are going to happen. Now, when he says we're waiting on it, well, we could say we've been waiting on it too, you know, because they're the ones who didn't want to fight Lomachenko. They made it clear, not, not you know, not Gervonta himself, but Floyd and his people. Clearly, they didn't want to fight Lomachenko, and they said it. Actually, give him a little credit for at least being honest rather than saying a bunch of lies and then still not wanting to fight, you know? So maybe they saw something in that Tiafimo Lopez fight. Um, coming forward with the jab, working the body, he was hesitant. Or was it his shoulder? You know, we don't know for a fact. Um, but Crawford, you know, or not Crawford, but Kelvin Ford said, they want, and if Cambosis isn't there, Ryan Garcia is going to fight in April. 
Well, if you look at the biggest name for him to fight beyond Ryan Garcia, that is Lomachenko. I still have casual fans that first know of Lomachenko because he fought on the Mayweather-Pacquiao undercard. From time to time, they'll ask about him, or I just saw his fight, you look good in it, blah, blah, blah. He's had probably three different pretty damn big audiences on ESPN as well. They've set him up in those uh, post-Heisman, and I think there was a college football in there too. I can't remember, but um, he's gotten a a fair amount of exposure. That's for sure, and he's a perfect B-side for Tank. That's for sure, because Ryan Garcia brings a different audience right now, whereas Lomachenko's been on the scene for a while. Those hardcores that are kind of like the casual, not the casual fan, but maybe the common fan who, yeah, I watch a fight every month, you know, they know him. You know, they definitely know him. And he may not sell a lot of tickets, Lomachenko, because, you know, for how high he's ranked or, or thought of, right? and the pound-for-pound pound list and all that in his career. But for, I mean, for his weight class, he does pretty well. And you can probably line up the top 20 ticket sellers in the, in the, in the sport, and he's in there. You know, he, he does pretty good considering. Like I said, the lightweights doesn't always help you. And it's not like he's been able to have a chance to fight a bunch of great B-sides for himself either to sell tickets anyway is what I'm saying. That Teofimo Lopez, I think that would have done good at the garden, but obviously, you know, they weren't able to sell tickets for that. So, if that fight happens, this is why I'm talking about it, okay? Because when I heard we're waiting on it, the wait, when he said waiting on it, of course, the first thing you say is, dude, you're not waiting on it, you know? We've been waiting on it, like I said. But the waiting part stood out to me because I do remember, I do remember that Lomachenko, and this is like sometime in the last year, he was on that, I think her name is Ice Queen or Snow Queen, That I think she's Ukrainian, um, who has her own, um, uh, she's in the gyms and she has her own um, YouTube channel. Is it Snow Queen? I want to give her credit. I've, I've definitely like quoted her before in interviews she does, because she does a lot of interviews. Well, I do remember Lomachenko saying this, and this is about Haney. And he said, listen, um, if the promoters can't agree to have to fight between Haney and Lomachenko, then we can always wait until April 2022 to get out of of the top-ranked contract and then fight Haney. So April 2022, and I think this was about a year ago or maybe nine months ago. I think it was right in that year range, okay? So if if this is a fact, and I don't know. I mean, it's tough to tell sometimes when contracts are up and not with top rank, as we've seen, right? So I don't know. I don't know that to be a fact or whatever. I don't, I'm not sure. If it is April 2022, God, that's hard to say. Well, that all of a sudden gets real interesting. Because if he's a free agent in April, well, then he can for sure do a Gervonta fight. And you wouldn't have Bob Arum taking a percentage out of it as a promoter. So it'd be more money. It'd definitely be as big as payday he's ever had. That's for sure. That's not even up for question. 
but he wouldn't have, uh, you know, even on the pay-per-view cut, potentially, if, if it's there, you know, he wouldn't have Bob, he wouldn't have a promoter taking a large chunk of the money or, a, you know, a certain percentage of the money. So, whereas if he's under contract and that could be made, I think Bob gets, what, 20%? I suppose contracts are different, but remember, that's what he said he got for Tiafimo when it was on, uh, when it was supposed to be on Triller anyway. That's what he said. And that's what he got for the zone, the 20% or whatever. So I don't know. But if that's the fact that April 2022, if that is a real thing, wow, that would be crazy. And that actually is doable. But do they really want it? You know, I don't know. I know I've always thought, and I've said it numerous times, that Tank, Gervonta, and Ryan Garcia are going to fight next. We thought we were going to get it last year, right? That's what I thought, not next, but as far as all these late, lightweights that we want to see fight, I always thought that'd be first because that's the most money. That's the biggest fight. Yes, Lomachenko doesn't have eight or nine, you know, eight or nine million people following him on Instagram. But if, in fact, that they're ready now finally to actually make the fight, that could be doable. And that would be... Uh, that would be fun as hell. Another fight, speaking of boxing Twitter, that was kind of interesting. When you're zooming around boxing Twitter, you know, so much of it is people talking about fights, you know, saying this and that and that and this, and I'm going to fight you, you know, and then the fights don't turn out. So I don't get overly excited. You know, if they say some funny shit to each other, you know, then it's like, okay, you know, well, that, that's kind of funny. But... It's not like I get my hopes up too high when I see some boxing Twitter beast pop off and they're going to fight each other and they're going to yell at each other and all that. I, you know, we've seen it go down too far. Ever since COVID hit, that's been like a big thing to do, right? We all, we all know that. But this was kind of interesting because Dave – and I'm biased because, you know, he fights out of Minneapolis. David Morell Jr., you know – is a is a high risk low reward at this time. I think that's fair to say, you know. So to me, you know, he's been looking for a big fight and Ryder didn't take the fight because he had a, you know, a better uh a more money fight against well, it was going to be against a couple different people, Bibble and all that, but it it settled in on uh Danny Jacobs. And that's a good fight. That's a good crossroads fight. I like that fight a lot. But, you know, not a lot of people are just pumped to fight this kid because he's got some knockout power, yada, yada, yada. But today, or maybe it was yesterday, um, I saw this tweet, and I'm literally looking for it right now. I wonder if I accidentally deleted it. But Jesse Hart is trying to make, you know, a nice little run here. Jesse Hart's talking about, hey, I want to – I want a big fight, you know, and you know, he, when he stepped up to good fights, he's definitely, you know, made himself accounted for. I mean, the two fights with Gilberto Ramirez, especially the first one, you know, he fought pretty hard. He's a pretty solid fighter, and when you look at a guy who's not had many fights, uh, his last two ones have been short fights. He did go 12 rounds before, but he needs another 12-rounder, you know. Um, you know, all of a sudden... Morell Jr.'s people 
said, hey, we can fight you. You know, like, that's no problem. Someone just messaged me, when are we going to talk about, or when am I going to talk about Jake Paul and Mike Tyson? Well, you know, this Mike Tyson literally said, that's news to me. You know, I, 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 I don't know. We're not in talks. You know what I mean? I'm not sure why he want to all of a sudden, you know, keep that quieter for some odd reason. You know, I'm not sure about that. But, yeah, that that's why I'm not talking about it because he said it's bullshit. It's not true at all. Their names in there. So, um, and I'm not really going to talk about, he also said, talk about Canelo and his next fight, how, how it's going to be a disappointment. Well, and that's Chava from ESPN. He said, uh, Canelo, however, his next opponent reportedly could could now be the one that a lot of boxing peers are not going to like. And a lot of people think that as they look at that as like a cross fight, like a crossover fight or a, you know, against an MMA guy or an exhibition just for money. Um, but I think he was trying to say it's not going to be like better be or he's he's not going to go to 175 or something. That's just me personally. I will say this because we know that there was that rumor, you know, going around that uh, uh, Canelo and, and Charlo are going to fight, and they're in negotiations. Then Eddie Renoso said, "No, we're not in negotiations. We're actually just starting this stuff right now. We're, we're going through all the stuff, right?" So it's like, all right, you know, they're getting offers and all that, and money-wise, you know, if if Plant can do that kind of money at the gate with Canelo as an opponent, of course, um, then that would do big numbers too, you know, because no matter who he fights at 168, he's undisputed. So it's technically further undisputed, but Charlo can talk pretty well, right? He can talk shit and he's undefeated and, and that's what sells the casuals too. Well, speaking of that, just to bring this up, I'm not going to talk about Canelo against anyone yet. Because I already did that, and I don't want to keep bringing that up if there's no movement. I, I, the only thing I was going to say is, um, on Instagram, Future of Boxing, Jamal Charlo is in the ring. Right? There's a picture of him in the ring, and it's a, he's signing something. He's got the, the signing emoji. Meaning, you know, obviously I don't know what it means exactly, but, you know, if you're looking from the outside, that sounds like I signed the contract meaning I signed my side. Now, remember, Plant had signed his side um, in the first time the negotiations fell fell through, and then they later you know, picked back up. So I have no clue of that. He's going through it. They're sorting through it right now. So whether that is, you know, they, they probably have to take care of him first. But going back to, okay, that was just messages, sorry. Going back to if Jesse Hart and David Burrell Jr., because Warrior Boxing was like, hey, we'll fight you. Fight us. You know, you can get into a potential mandatory spot in the WBA. Because at some point, that interim, you know, uh, trinket is going to turn into a mando for the WBA. And we know who has that. So if Jesse Hart and David Burrell Jr., and I'm selfish, could fight here in Minneapolis. <laughs> I don't care where they fight. Yeah, I, do. I want them to fight here. But you know what I'm saying. That would be a perfect fight for Morrell Jr. at this stage of his career. It'd be his hardest opponent, 
by a long shot. Sign me up for that. That's all I'm saying. Sign me up for that fight. That would be a great, great opponent for him. And like I said, I bring it up because on Twitter they're like, hey, literally not just, uh, you know, not just a fighter, but, you know, the promoter said, hey, we'd be willing to let, – let's, let's talk that through. We'd be willing to do that fight because they are kind of – it is getting tougher to tougher because of the low-risk, high-reward. He's young dude. He's got speed. He's got power. Um, he doesn't fight like the quote-unquote stereotypical, you know, um, Cuban fighter. Um, but, yeah, I see Carcino is in the house. going to jump. Put him in here. All right. Carcino for life. Carcino, what's going on, man? How the hell are you? How you doing, buddy? How was your holidays, by the way? Oh, it was pretty uh, interesting, but uh, exhausting. <laughs> so, yeah, it was wonderful, man. I was like, just said, I think I was on uh, one show uh I was on talking with uh, Sean, and I was like, yeah, I got to find out when Chris is doing the show, man, and what time so I can get off. <laughs> I was like, I haven't been on the show in a while, so I was like, um, then I just got a, a text, and I was like, wow, all right, we're in. So, <laughs> so I went to the house. Yeah, my, my show has been kind of all over the place because we've had a, a couple different uh, COVID spreads where I work, so I've been working these weird oddball hours, so sometimes I've just recorded it real quick, randomly, uh, you know, sometimes, it's just been at different times, so um, Tuesday and Wednesday is when it normally is sometime in that time frame, but tonight oh. was a more, alright, I, I know exactly when it's going to have it, so I can send you the exact time, uh, rather than shooting to you too late and you're already tied up with something, you know? Right. Well, so far, like in the boxing world, I was sitting back trying to uh, capture a lot of what was going on. And then the Terrence Crawford lawsuit with Bob Arum that uh, a lot of people were commenting on. And people were like, so whose side are you on? And this lawsuit, you know, they're ripping off Terrence Crawford. And I'm like, well, when you look at it, the court of law is not going to go off of, well, Aaron seems like he's outdated and old school, so, yeah, he must be guilty. You have to be able to prove in a court of law to show details of this guy doing it because of race. If you're suing for racial discrimination, you have to show where you lost something, mainly monetarily, or anything else that was done to you psychologically or some type of damaging. Like you have to have the ass and you have to have proof that whatever was done was based on race. Now, what I did like is Timothy Bradley and Muhammad Ali's daughter coming out right. to, to see Bob M in this situation because they too are not privy to anything that has something to do with Terrence Crawford. You know, exactly. he might never have shown these things to you. It doesn't mean that Terrence Crawford's situation 
must not be accurate because that's not the person you know. It's like, well, that's like he wasn't like that to you. So it doesn't mean like he couldn't be like that to someone else. Maybe he just didn't like that person. You don't know because you're not in that situation. So I felt like... Right, I was nicer to the girl I was cheating with rather than my girlfriend. I didn't see that, (laughs) so he he treated me real nice. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, totally. Why, Why would it have to be a side anyway? Let's look at the facts, you know? Yeah, and I'm like, why would you let the company use you as a minion you know, to come out in that situation because they only interviewing you and putting you out there to make these statements because you're black. So (laughs) if someone else white would not make these statements, it's like you're being put out there to say these things because they're like, look, Tim Bradley, he's black, and he said everything. If there was racism, he hasn't seen any. (laughs) So... So that's now it's like okay yeah his lawsuit is it doesn't it doesn't hold any water look what happened with Tim Brown he's happy right that kind of mentality. yeah he's a lawyer in a doctor Tim Bradley he's a lawyer in a doctor Garcino because oh, he yeah. says that you know <laughs> Spence's eyes messed up too he was the doctor oh, yeah. that checked Spence's eye too you know so it's it is what it is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, it's hilarious. But the lawsuit, people was asking me, does he have a claim for a lawsuit? Uh, he's claiming to uh, be owed at least uh, $9 million or something like that that he missed out on or that was promised uh, another $4 million of unpaid royalties. Oh, no, it wasn't yeah, $9 he didn't, million. Get paid, was, he didn't get offered or get paid for a fight he's alleging. Like he, they literally, right. instead of giving him two fights a year, or in a not in a year, but in a time frame that makes up a year, he's saying they didn't give me an extra fight. And then on top of that is the nine hundred thousand dollars that they said if they don't get me the Spence fight, I get that money. And clearly, the, that fight didn't happen as we know. Exactly. So. He's suing for unpaid royalties. I think it was like 4.5, and then one is like the $900,000 bonus or something. Um, and he didn't get it. So because he didn't get it, that's also mentioned in the lawsuit. But you know, I don't, I don't get it because it was like he put racial bias. And I'm trying to understand. What evidence do they have to bring that to the table? Because you have to prove that in a court of law. Right. Where you you could have, and I've learned this from lawsuits, if cases are thrown out or you have to refile because you claim the wrong thing or you file the wrong thing, so you spend all of this money to get get into a situation and realize you filed things wrong. What you were actually suing for, you didn't sue for. You sued for one part to mean something else. And that, yeah, that happened know, to Canelo. It, Remember that happened to Canelo yeah. last year, and he refiled it, and then all of a sudden they settled. Yeah, and that happens sometimes, you know, and I think in this situation, I don't know what evidence does he have, but it's, to me it's, it's – um, 
it's harder to prove. Like unless you got concrete evidence of someone discriminating against you because they are racist or made racist statements or statements that may be taken as racist. You got to show, even if that's the case, you got to say, well, this is why I was discriminated against. They have to show and prove that. And if they don't show and prove that, then they haven't done anything. So to me, it's just an entirely different situation altogether. I don't, I don't see the two being connected. I, I don't think it was because of race that they did it. But I, I look at the business, um, you know, based on what they were going through with COVID. I'm quite sure Terrence Crawford, who I know, he was very frustrated with what had transpired with his team and um, negotiations with top rank and promises not being kept. They promised they can get the Errol Spence fight and they couldn't deliver. And situations, they couldn't get the opponents that, you know, that the people wanted to see. The Keith Thurman fight couldn't happen. Um, The fight with Danny Garcia didn't happen. Because PBC wasn't willing to negotiate, they had leverage in the situation saying, all we have to do is wait you guys out. Terrence Crawford and Tom Fane Rank won't be able to sustain. They were gambling on this. But the problem was what was happening with Lomacheco. Lomacheco was being promoted way more than Terrence. And Terrence felt like, I am pound for pound the best fighter in the world, which may be true. That does not mean you generate the most. And I think that's what sometimes fighters don't get and don't understand. Yep. They, they think that the, the cheers and the people, oh, look at these people coming to see me. It's like the company top rank can basically prove that they really didn't make any money in a lot of these fights. They had to come out of pocket a lot. They had an HBO deal that collapsed when HBO was part of building Terrence Crawford's career. And it looked promising and everything, but then top rank pulled, I mean, HBO Sports pulled out of boxing altogether. That's a hundred plus million dollars a year of revenue that they dedicate just to boxing Well, that's going back into the company. So boxing is scratched. So for a while, like, um, they had to put the fight and pay for the fight themselves, the Victor Postal fight. That was a pay-per-view that they paid for out of their own pocket. There was a lot of uh, Terrence Crawford bouts that were, were done that way or to boost other companies like ESPN Plus, ESPN, you know, it was just put on a stage that would seem like it was low tier for somebody of Crawford's ability. But Lomacheco was getting the major look. He was getting the major promotion for his fight. But what Terrence is not realizing is that Lomacheco has to, he's uh, from the Ukraine, 
Yes, the Euro market, and a lot of people remember him from the Olympics and outside of the United States. is very huge for boxing uh, with the Euro. And the Mayweather-Pacquiao undercard, too. I was just mentioning that, Garcino. Like, I still have casual fans that say, hey, I just saw that Lomachenko fight because they know him from the undercards. Yeah, that's true. And the fact is that guy is – was he's like lightning in the bottle, and they was promoting him, and a lot of Ukrainians come out. They spend money. Uh, they support the fight whenever Lomachenko fights. So for them, like top rank, is more a European business. Um, they have Shakira Stevenson, who they're managing and bringing up well. Top rank has always been very well at first when it came to bringing a fighter up the right way. They know how to manage them and bring them up with the right opponents. Their situational flaw is the marketing of African-American athletes. That has always been their problem and their and their uh, main issue. Um, I was in the process of helping them. And it's funny that we mentioned Tim Bradley earlier because he was the subject at hand when they did, you know, getting stuck in the mud about marketing African-American fighters. We've had this discussion with Bob Arum. Uh, I actually found somebody that helped them in that sense, and the contract was drawn up. I was getting a percentage of the deal, of course, and they were ready to hire this person to come in. Now, the person that's in charge of this department is Fred Steinberg. Fred Steinberg from top rank is, let's just say he's outdated, you know. <laughs> uh, let's, just, let's just say I think Fred's a little outdated when it nice comes to marketing. Let's put yeah, it Yeah, nice. I mean, it's not, it's not Fred's fault. You know, Fred thing is like, I want to stick this promotional stick on the back of the bus, and it's going to drive through the neighborhood, and they're going to be like, I want to see that fight. <laughs> so... That's Fred's way of uh, marketing in the neighborhood. So, <laughs> putting up flyers and stuff, like on the yeah. on the on the telephone pole. The flyers, uh, yeah, he's gonna hit, he's gonna hit local radio. So you know, it's like, you know, it's just old old way of uh, thinking into promotions, and it does not work the same. And it's like they don't have a, a, a clue or effort. And if they had things under control, we wouldn't even been in this interview process. We've made it as far as having them come into an interview. The person, who I won't name, went there for the interview. And I didn't even get the feedback. Everything was supposedly went well. Then they wanted the person to work with Fred. Like, you work with Fred. You know, and like on a trial basis, and then we'll decide if we're going to bring you on. The person did all this work with Fred, and unfortunately, I wasn't there. But when I was told what happened, and I'm like, why would you share all that information? Well, they asked me, you know, what I was going to do when I got there and do this. And then I'm like, yeah, but you don't tell them everything you're going to do. You kind of give them a summary of some of the things that can happen 
Because now I'm like, now if you told them what they're going to do, why would they hire you? I mean, all they got to do is get Fred to start doing what you just told them. And that is exactly what happened. They, they, Fred was supposed to be working inside, and Fred told Bob Aaron, like, I don't need this person working. I can do this. Like, I don't need the person. And I'm already under contract. So they decided that they didn't need the service which was shocking after they kept the person out there, gave them VIP to the fight, uh, was the main guest, like like special guest meeting all the people, Warren Buffett, everybody. And then when it was done, it was the shocking all situation. Couldn't even believe it. Even the lawyer couldn't believe it who did the contract was like, I, I've never seen anything like this. Like, and it's like I've worked with this man, <laughs> worked with Bob Aaron, and I can't believe this just happened. And he's, I was like, I wasn't in the room, so I'm not privy to know. But I think if I was in the room, this wouldn't have happened because I would have stopped what went on in that interview process, and. If that, that person learned a valuable lesson about interviews. Never reveal too much of your plan because they got to sit back as I got to sit back and watch that plan unfold when they signed the person we told them to sign and they didn't sign on. And then later on, they went ahead and signed the person and then did the same outlook. I mean, the same whole everything layout of the marketing plan, and it was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was like, this is your exact plan. And I'm like, I'm watching it right on the screen. And it was hard for them to understand it, but it just showed how far they behind they were with marketing to the um, African-American audience because that's not prim- primarily their money right now. Top Rank is a company right. that's – slightly hanging on and they're mostly concerned about the Euro fighters because the Euro fighters are bringing in the bucks. Everyone else can, you know, they, they're going to give you some promotion, but they're going to do cross branding, you know, Lomachenko. Well, and even before that, even before that, the Mexican and Puerto Rican fighters, what they really focused on anyway, that was a good chunk of their business for a couple decades. Oh yeah, the smaller mar I mean, the smaller lightweight fights. At that time before when they were getting started, those fights weren't main event. Those were those fights were only like on the undercard to build up fights. Those guys weren't being the main event. Uh when Prince Nassim came into the mix, he he really took the lightweight, the one thirty five, you know, just all of those light weights were becoming epic events. You know, like, wow, the people will pay to actually see that happen. Yep. And since, since then the, the featherweights started popping off, too, after that. Yeah. Featherweights, and it became Morales and Barrera and Pacquiao. Yeah. Marquez. These guys were becoming the main event. And this is when Eric Morales was – pushed to the prominence, Barrera, all these guys that top rank had, and it was built off the popularity he had with Prince Nazim Ahmed. He hadn't even fought them. 
Eric Morales' name was becoming synonymous because they wanted the Prince, and the Prince kept calling out Eric Morales. That helped out top rank tremendously with their lightweight department, and they started putting marketing dollars more into Eric Morales. Because of that, the Euro market was screaming out, we want Eric Morales. And that was billions for them, but he was never going to put Eric Morales into the ring with the press. So he put Barrera in the ring with, with uh, right. the press, figuring that the press would beat him. It would just make more money for Eric Morales. They were going to build that up. And then Barrera actually won. So that not only that it was a win win for Aram, but it was like, oh, this is okay now. This is gonna really make the fight epic with Eric Morales. So it was it was very interesting because those fights were paying off. He had the Latino market right where he needed it to be. You know, he had a lot of Latino fighters, but like in this day and age, they do they have the Latino markets that will come out and watch him, but he wants to promote the company around Lomachenko for as long as he can. And get, he has some other European, European fighters that he wants to promote as well and build their careers up. And then he'll keep the Hispanic dollars. The black dollar was never really marketed to and in the sport of boxing unless they just had a phenom who could just bring people out to the fights. And it just wasn't being utilized enough in top rank. Top rank was more like we'll get the fighter if he's exceptional, but there never was the top, you know, main attraction or sought after. And plus, a fighter always feels they should get the best of everything, especially based on pay-per-view status. And Terrence has always felt like he was always the kid with the chip on his shoulder. So Mm -hmm. he believe Lomachenko is not better than me. He's not a pound-for-pound pound fighter. I'm the best fighter in the world. Why y'all keep promoting him as the best? And then y'all don't ever mention, well, Terrence Crawford, too. You know, like, only do my promotion when it's my time. Do y'all mention Lomachenko, Lomachenko, Lomachenko? Do my promotion, but do his promotion. Y'all don't do that. Oh, y'all being racist. Sure, right. <laughs> So that's just a quick, it's like a quick answer response to what's going on. Oh, you're being racist. When really they're just looking at it from their promotional model. It's like they don't really sure. market to the, to the African-American, um, you know, market. They're not there. They're mostly Euro. Everything now in top rank is basically promoted to the Euro market and the Latino. Now it looks like apparently they're going to – yeah, and now they got Stevenson, and they're bringing him I up. was just about to go into that, a homegrown American yeah. fight right there. What do you think of that fight, Shakur Stevenson and Oscar Valdez, April 30th uh, at the MGM in Las Vegas, sir? I think that fight is great. He's been asking for this fight for a while. I think Oscar Valdez is going to make it a tough fight. I think Stevenson's a little too fast and a little too big, and I think he beats uh, Valdez because Valdez really – he's been having weight problems for the longest. He really lost his last fight. That guy was a little too slick for you him. You can make an argument. Yeah, you can make an argument for it, that's for sure. Yeah, and I just think the weight 
the weight problem is too much for him. He can't really make the weight anymore. And I just think he's got to move up. But the money's at Or just this stay way. disciplined between camps, too, maybe. That's too, but I just don't think he's going to make it. And that's, that's uh, you know, I'm quite sure that he's going to, you know, he's been working with Canelo's people, you know, they're working in the same mm-hmm. camp. So hopefully he's got time to focus because Canelo's been kind of rested um, after five, four times in a year, like he said. He said, my body is just exhausted. You know, like from all of this, right. he's basically trained all year long. So this is the first break Canelo has had, like, in a while. So while he's doing that, they got time to really focus on Oscar. If they want, if, you know, this is the move that they're going to do. And I'm like 100% all in for this fight. Oscar Valdez yeah. is going to give him all. Like, this is the first real test. You know, Jamel Herring, I thought, would give him a better fight. He had the wrong game plan for Stevenson. And Stevenson was way too big for him. And, and Jamel was the slowest I've ever seen in my life. It was like he was in slow motion that night. And I was like, man, it's, Jamel just, it's like one of those things where they say the fighter can't get off. He just couldn't get off. Right. You know, was he getting beat could. to the punch. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, man, this was a bad fight night for him. So after it was um, done, you know, he lost. You know, um, moving forward now, I'm seeing that Stevenson, you know, he has a good fight, he has a bad fight. He has a good fight, he has a bad fight, where he doesn't look so great. This is the fight he's been looking, waiting for. So I don't think he's going to train, like, out of his mind for this fight. And they want to, They know Stevenson is the star. They, so I'm quite sure the marketing dollars are for Stevenson and, and Oscar Valdez. So top rank interest would be more in line with Stevenson than it would be Oscar Valdez. So I don't see a problem with them uh, actually doing like marketing him and everything else because they marketing him based on his Olympic career, you know, and what he's learned from not winning the gold medal and everything else. And they've done a great job of of uh, keeping his career clean after the incident he had where he, the video yeah. tape came out and beat the kid up and all of this stuff. And they kept it out of the internet for almost a year before it even hit. So when it did hit, you know, the situation was already resolved. People knew about it. And so top rank was on top of it because they want to make this guy the new Floyd Mayweather, you know, like he's the new superstar for the league and everything else. But we'll see how it plays out. But I think he, yeah, I was talking about you know, this fight earlier, Garcia, you know, and yeah, April 30th would put him in range for the NBA playoffs. And wouldn't that be something if they could get an NBA playoff lead in for this fight? That would be awesome on ESPN. No, yeah, that would great. really help 
bump it up. You know, I'm not saying that because we don't know the schedule yet or anything like that, but we talk about marketing dollars and everything. That would be phenomenal if they could somehow, because they've done that before with the NBA, not as much. They do it with college football and, of course, the Heisman and some other sports. But, man, if they could get the NBA playoffs lead in and have it a West Coast later fight, that would be phenomenal. Man. All right. I mean, everybody like normally would do that, especially with college sports. Like when it, the fights like near April, March, like right after March Madness, they would do the promotion for the fight that's coming up in April. That's why April is always a big boxing month because people be charged from watching their teams um, for the March Madness week. Uh, right, Floyd yep. Mayweather actually went to March Madness to promote his fight that was in May. You know, it's that's when people are coming out because they've been cooped up for the winter. Yeah, and exactly. And spring comes in, you know, now it's like, let's go. It's spring. Mm. People run out like they jumped off a springboard, and they go out there and start, <laughs> start uh, supporting their sports. And nothing brings True. people out more than college, college sports. You know, college sports is quietly the kings. You know, they they bring people out. Because towns want to support, you know, their their local team mm-hmm. or that's playing, you know, like right. a Nebraska college game. And I was like, I I don't I don't think anything can beat that or an Ohio State, you know, like yeah. they play some sort of Alabama big. versus LSU or something, you know, some sort of exactly. It's crazy. You There's know, like 13 different stadiums that are a hundred plus thousand uh, capacity and college football. People don't even know it. Speaking of, we talked about uh, Eddie Renozo. What do you think Canelo's going to do? Because Chava from ESPN, uh, who's kind of their guy uh, that they leak stuff to, he said that the, 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 the fans, like the hardcore fight fans, the purists, aren't going to like his selection opponent. What do you think that means? Do you think that means the cruiserweight, or do you think that means a crossover fight? It's kind of it's a misleading kind of open statement that has a lot of people kind of scratching their head. Like, I didn't think he was going to do a crossover fight with an MMA guy. Like, what what would be so disappointing if you look at the top five names? Uh, you know, Benavides, Charlo, Bivol, Better BF, and that cruiserweight. That's kind of who's on the table for him. Have you heard any kind of uh, you know, rumors or any kind of noise about who it possibly could be? Because we should know here in the coming weeks. Yeah, I mean, everything's been really cold on Canelo's side. Like, because, uh, you know, every all the other talking is normally coming from other people, like the opponents, like uh, right. Charles kind of saying, hey, we're in, the, we're in the talks. Like, we're negotiating. And, and when Canelo's in the driver's seat, he knows he's like the top generator of money in the sport. So right. he's in the driver's seat to kind of demand what he wants. So if someone is negotiating like, no, no, this is it, he has other options. They're like, well, Canelo can go take this fight then. If you don't, if you don't feel this money is good for you, we can go here. So he might be leveraging all of these opportunities and definitely – putting these fillers out there to get people to commit to the deal that they want. 
So it could be a smoke screen that their buddy was putting out that they yeah. want him to put out just so, so people can be like, oh, man, like Canelo's going to go in another direction. And then yeah, we better give an extra five mil or some shit. Yeah, yeah, we might as well just take the deal that's on the table. I don't think we're going to get any more than that. Let's the money to it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm going to try to squeeze it, you know. And the same thing happened with uh, the Corey Spinks fight with Floyd Mayweather. Um, It was a fight that was close to being done, and uh, but they really wanted Baltimore because the Corey Spinks train they felt was was not going to work out at that time, and that that angle was wasted. And the champion was Bolomir at that division. You know, he had the WBC title, and this was the fight that he wanted. So he'll be beat the lineal champion already. He was supposed to fight Zab Judah for this belt. Zab loses to Bolomir. So now... He's no longer the lineal champion. So now it's like, okay, he beat and won all the belts at welterweight Zab did just to blow it to the tune-up fight, which was Bolomir. So now Bolomir is the guy he has to beat. Bolomir was so broke, he didn't want to pay for the sanctioning fees for all the rest of the belts. That Zab even got his belt back <laughs> because he couldn't get the sanctioning fee. So he really wasn't even the champion. It was just that Bolomir is like, I can't afford to pay for that out of my purse that I won to pay for all the belts. That's just crazy. I'll just take the WBC. So he fought Mayweather. That was the fight he wanted. So they were in negotiation, and Bolomir people wanted more at the end. They was like, well, we can squeeze more out of this fight. They They don't have an opponent you know, that can come in there. So they leaked out to the press, on like on social media, Mayweather and Corey Springs has agreed to a fight. And Corey Springs was the guy, and it was like, whoa, that came out of nowhere. Corey Springs is the fight? So it was leaked, like it was official. Corey Springs and Mayweather is fighting. Uh, and, this, and it was flying everywhere that it was official. And everybody was like, wow, we could have sworn it was Baltimore, and they was just working out the details. And then this Corey Springsteen fight just came out of nowhere, and it's done. So once that was committed to about the next day, <laughs> Baltimore was finalized. <laughs> the next day it was finalized. Mayweather and Baltimore were finalized. It was Crazy negotiation that went on, but that was a deliberate move to do that, to let Bolivar people know we could take another fight. We, there's always another fight out there. Don't come in here and mess up the negotiations. This is what it is. I think um, at this point, Canelo is Canelo is at the point where he can pick any fight people are going to pay. Because when he fights, it's an event. He's got the whole Latino yeah. market under some. He's going to get people to come out. He's fought everybody. Like all the people of stature that's no longer even fighting anymore. He fought the Shane Mosley's, the Mayweather's, 
So he fought people with names, and he fought people that people didn't want to fight, like Arizona D. Laura. Right. Uh, you know, he had fought Austin Trout when he was undefeated. He fought yep. all of these fighters that many people just said, oh, he won't fight this guy, but he fought those guys. So I don't think he would be afraid to fight these guys at all. Plus, you know, I've, I've rarely seen him in, like, a trouble in any of these fights. You know, like, he's taking great shots mm-hmm. from Triple G's. And he beat that he the Brady Man twice. I mean, his yeah, chin is you know. ridiculous. And I'm like, I saw he won both fights easy. Uh, well, they're not easy, but, you know, enough yeah. to win them. But, and I just felt like, man, he really showed people, you know, Triple G's weakness. Like, I've Triple G I haven't seen again since he really was embarrassed. He fought one other fight. He really didn't look great in that either. I think the starch was taken out of him during that um, during those fights. And since they've really been doing the PED crackdown, I haven't really seen that brutal puncher guy that everybody was talking about. Speaking of that, they're they're testing uh, Odell Beckham for PED. <laughs> they said six touchdowns in eight games. What's going on here now? Hold on, hold on. Yeah, you getting ready to play Brady? No way, something's wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have Brady. No, hold on. You can't do this to Brady. We got a legacy to upheld. Oh, hold on. That's right. That's and funny. I didn't hear that. I'm, yep. I'm like, test him. <laughs> Keep testing. Uh, Twice yep. a day, right, Cino? That's right. Especially <laughs> on game day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. At halftime, shit. <laughs> yeah. Any so, other... Uh, you said what? Chris? Hello? Anything that you want to uh, discuss, sir? There is a, the fight calendar is starting to uh, heat up, man. I mean, I don't know exactly what's up with this, you know, Anthony Joshua Usyk rematch and Tyson Fury and White, or if, if that's going to get scratched and they're going to, you know, and Usyk and Tyson fights or whatever, but more and more, we're starting to see that uh, that the the first quarter and even the second quarter uh, start to fill up with some fights, man. Any other items that you want to talk about, sir? Oh well, yeah, the Mirkan camp with uh, Kell Brook and how this fight is going to like be the one of the biggest fights out there in the market. People don't care about their records. People don't care who they knocked out. People don't care if Khan just got up off the canvas. He's fighting Kell Brook. This is a fight they've been waiting for for over 10 years. And by being on the scale and the level that it is, it's often going to change the uh, landscape of the bragging rights over there for the town, like the town that Amir Khan's from and in Shetville where he's from. It's like major bragging rights. I think uh, I think it's yeah. Bolton. Yeah, the dangerous areas of Bolton. So Bolton is talking trash, and you know it's like on Twitter, each side is like going at it. It's like a major fight over there, 
And a lot of people in the United States know really nothing about the rivalry, really just some of the hardcore boxing fans. They know it, but the casuals don't pretty much know it. But people are like, man, this thing is going to be big, and some of the casuals are going to latch on because here a lot of the European fighters who watch these two, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, it'll be pretty good, but I'm going to watch the football game. You know, like they're more caring about football right now. But when this fight comes around, it's a lot of places and bars. I know that Got Sky Sports they advertise this, like as like it's on the sports talking networks. Like they are really pushing this fight in the UK, and I think it's going to be. Oh huge. yeah, yeah, because it's a Sky they, Sports pay per view, right? Yeah. So the, it's a, you're like, right though. It's still got the name recognition. No matter how past the prime both guys are, with the casuals, they just care if they know the guys. Oh, we know them? Oh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. You know, like that's that's how it goes. So, yeah, you're right. It's still yeah. a big fight there. I wonder when uh, – I wonder what it's going to be – like what it's going to be shown here. Who's going to pick that up? I wonder if ESPN Plus yeah. will pick it up. Probably ESPN Plus, but it it should be picked up. Yeah. You know, so – I'm not looking forward to do it crazy, but I do want to watch it, you know, because it will be a good environment. Oh, definitely, because when you're looking at this, you know, this fight and the way it's laid out and um, all the interest in it, there's tons of, like, it's here, all the Europeans that's here in Chicago, you kidding? The Euro bar where, like, I hang out at is mostly – Russian, Italian, uh, like it's like the in the whole Russian like neighborhood. So a lot of people call it the Russian bar, but it's not like the Russian bar. <laughs> right. Like you got people over there, but they love playing snooker, which is pool. They love doing that, and they love to watch anything that's on Sky Sports. And everybody in there speaks about four different languages, all European. Mm-hmm. And, but they love boxing, and they love the fight game. So if it's shown anywhere, anything, there's so many right. European people here that's going to want to watch it <laughs> because they're like, hey, this is going over there in England, Sheffield. They're over there. They want to watch the fight. Your Ukrainians love boxing, you know, with Triple G, yeah. and, and they love to watch the Polish fights, Polish fighters in there. They love watching other European fights. So it's just, it's it's like a magnet. You know, I just don't think that people can walk away from it. Because in that place, in the Euro bars, they don't care what the guy name is. If they're yeah, fighting, right? if a fight on, they're <laughs> just rooted. Right. And they're screaming with beers. They don't care who the name is or the storyline. The storyline is for Americans more than anything. That's for us. We care about storylines more than anything. Everybody else care about just the, they just want to see two people fight. <laughs> but America, we got to have a storyline. We got to have the mother was sick. He needs to do this for the, or the writ. They're going to kick them and evict them out of the house. We need the storyline to draw everybody else in because that's how they normally would draw the the women into fights. 
when Sugar Ray Leonard was coming to fight Marvin Hagler, it was, why, Sugar, why? He could go blind. And that's, that's oh, my God, the women ate that up. He, he could go blind. Why is he doing this? This doesn't make sense. My mother then was sad. Like, oh, my God, if he gets hit by this 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 guy here, my mom don't know who Marvin Hagler is at all. I knew more about Marvin Hagler, and I was a, a little kid in probably second grade at the time telling her, like, Mom, like, Hagler beat hers to me. Thomas Hearns was Superman. So right. <laughs> there was no way I was like, no, this guy just beat her. She's like, oh, no, why is Sugar Ray fighting him? She was just like, well, it doesn't make sense. Why would he fight that man? I'm like, well, he's fighting a man because he's a fighter. You know, that's what he does. <laughs> that's part of the job. But I'm like, I don't think he's going to go blind. I don't think he, you guys have to worry. They say the doctor says if he gets hit on that eye again like that, it could just, his vision could be gone forever. Why take that risk? And it had everybody drawn into the fight that the women around was just like, keep running, keep moving. He's got to protect his eye. I'm like, oh, gosh. This, <laughs> this, this fight has captivated so many people. The fight fans wanted to see it because, they want to see who's going to win. You know, they everybody was betting money on Hagler. It was like, oh, he can't be Hagler. That's, that's not, it's impossible. So they were just putting money all on Hagler. Ray Leonard was well, a lot of betting. people thought he was going to die. Like, Leonard's not going to have an eye left. And, yeah, you're right. It was a, you know, a lot of people thought, man, he's coming back to the wrong dude, you know? Yeah, and then, you know, they marketed at that, you know, and, like, your health is at risk. You could lose your eye, you know, and and Ray, the the ultimate professional marketer, knew how to sell it, you know. So that was the thing about Ray. He knew how to sell that. It, like, like, no, I should be fine. I can't think about these things. And the whole outside world was thinking and concerned for Ray's health going into the ring. It was ultimate promotion. For the fight, me and Roger Mayweather argued this venomously on who won that fight to the point that he wanted to sit down and watch the fight again, would invite you to his home. Anybody who knew Roger would tell you the same thing. If you keep talking about this fight, he'll eventually invite you to his home. He won't even know you from a hole in the wall. And y'all going to watch Sugar Ray Leonard versus Marvin Hagler and score the fight. (laughs) That's what he wants to do because he swear up and down Ray Leonard won that fight about 116 to like 112. (laughs) He gave so many rounds to Ray Leonard that I did not give Ray Leonard. And I'm like, what are you saying here? You're giving him rounds, but Hagler ain't land a guy. You know, he, he's really going off the edge, blowing off talking about Hagler and doing anything. So it was very interesting. 
But the fact that Hagler was beat at the negotiation table really, and to show you how bad he agreed to every term that Ray Leonard asked for, from the glove size to the <laughs> the ring size to the first championship fight at 12 rounds instead of 15. Well, I think there was one a uh, couple before that actually, but as far as oh, that big name, yeah, okay. yeah, but it wasn't a. I don't but think I it was, that big, was the big first game major game. one. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think that was the first, first major. major. Yeah. That was at twelve, you know, and that was a big thing. Like getting it reduced. You did good on the money. That's about it. You're right. Hangman yeah, did good yeah, on the money, well. but he gave up a lot. You're right. Yeah, he gave up that that extra. Making it a twenty-four by twenty-four ring <laughs> was enough. Gave up the first for... few rounds too, trying to outbox Leonard. <laughs> well, the thing was, is he switched from his softball stance to a conventional right. stance to try to throw him off, but that only was for a couple rounds. It wasn't for as long as what people thought. He's like in round three to me, or was very close. And a lot of people gave that to just Sugar Ray because Ray was controlling the outset and the tempo by him moving. But I'm like, the third round was really close. And I ended up giving that round to Hagler that nobody was giving him. And they normally give Ray the first four rounds of the fight and then the fifth round things changed. I was like, I saw the change happen in the fourth round but I was like, in the third round I was like, I saw Hagler switch back. The first two he fought conventional, which was bad. It was easier for Ray to beat him there. Hagler's not as his counters are not as sharp from the conventional stance as they is when he's uh, in the softball stance, and that's Marvin's bread and butter is his counter punches to start his combinations, and he was able to catch Ray counter him after Ray would come in. He knows how to set a like a quick counter shot and then start his offense, go back to the jab. And in the fifth round, he countered Ray with an uppercut that buckled. And that made Ray back back up. Thought he was getting, you know, Ray was getting a little too aggressive. But people don't understand about Ray Leonard until they fight him is Ray's tough. Like he's actually a Very fighter. True. He's actually he's actually tough, you know. And it's like, oh, okay, it's the flamboyantness, and same thing happened with Floyd. That's why they were very similar. A lot of people think, oh, Floyd Mayweather, he's flash. This guy just wants to touch and run, and they get in the ring and realize he's tough. Like he's tough. Like it's, I didn't think he would be this tough. But with Ray, Ray was strong. Like, Ray was stronger than what people thought he was. And they underestimated him. He had an unbelievable strong left hook, which I feel was his strongest punch. His left hook was incredible. And once he started sitting down on shots and getting his leverage on punches, he was hurting guys. Like, I've seen him put some people down. I was like, I've seen him hit some people and get some attention, like sit down on some punches, you know, right. like really commit. 
and he has so much in his IQ and his wheelhouse that he's been in situations like against hers who's a complete puncher and can hit with power, with full extension. And he dropped Ray, like, with, especially in the second fight. You know, Tommy's got unbelievable power. But Ray was able to neutralize that, and especially in the first fight, which really took so much out of him. But it was hard for him to beat and get past that reach. But he became the puncher in the fight. And hers became the boxer. It switched in the fight. It was weird because Ray was the boxer and Hearns was the puncher. And next thing you know, Hearns get hurt. And then they start seeing the boxing ability in Thomas Hearns. And Ray is stalking him to fight the rest of the fight. It was interesting. Uh, that the, the ebb and flow of that fight. And then you got to see Ray be as tough as he was coming in swinging with power. I mean, like unbelievable. And the way he timed her for that left hook, he, he just went like, I got to just go on. The safety is going forward. To seek safety, one must go to the heart of danger. That's what he did. He went straight at Thomas Hearns. Everybody normally retreat back, try to find a spot that's opening. Ray didn't do that no more. That was not working for him in this fight. So he just went right at Thomas Hearns. And when Hearns tried to connect and he was able to get close enough to land the left hook, he was willing to take what Tommy was going to give him just to leave himself open enough so he could count on with a left hook and get close enough to Tommy. So he knew he had to stay close to Tommy the whole fight. So he basically went towards him with his gloves up like he was padding Thomas Hearns and was trying to catch every punch so he can get close enough just to land one hard shot. It was a great strategy change in the fight and definitely showed that Ray and Hearns, he probably had no respect for Ray going into the fight. Like, he really didn't think Hearns, like Sugar Ray was just flat. He had a lot of respect for Ray after that fight. <laughs> that's, a, that's still a classic, Chris. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely something that will be debated for a long, long time. Well, it was good that... You, uh, we were able to get you on the show tonight. It's been a while. Glad that you had a good holiday season. Definitely looking forward to some fights that, like I said, that are starting to fill up. Showtime's about to announce their schedule. Some more fights are getting made over the next month. So hopefully we have a good 2022. And like you said, in a couple months, we'll be busting out, you know, outside again. Uh, because right now it's cold as hell. But I appreciate you taking time out, Garcino. Oh, no problem, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Take it easy. Take it easy, buddy. Yes, sir. Of course, Carcino for life, boxing socialist. It's actually boxing and basketball now, now that I think about it. So definitely nice to, to hear from Carcino. We'll just kind of, uh, 
you know, do the boxing Twitter and news segment, and then we'll get the hell out of here. I'm having a little problems with the switchboard right now. Um, it, it, it basically is just kind of acting up. So, um, if you're still there, uh, okay, cool. I was going to say that works out good, Hostway, because I, I, uh, there's something up with uh, the switchboard just kind of froze on me. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, we'll just kind of finish up with a little bit more fight news. Um, I did get a couple more messages during the live show, and just to follow up, as far as Bob Arum, this is all alleged, obviously, but if, but if, if allegedly, Arum was misrepresenting what was going on behind the scenes with talks with Errol Spence or anybody else, or just straight up, you know, just straight up misleading, straight up lying, allegedly, that can go into a lot of this stuff. It, like I said, so many people are focusing on the race thing, but I think you're missing some of this here if, if you're just focusing on, on that and you're not, you know, thinking about it in general. Um, some other uh, news here. Let's see. Got a cut. I think we got some more news here. Oh, well, uh, Ryan Garcia has now made it known that his career resumes April 2nd. Um, so he's uh, he's going to be back April 2nd. Um, he said he's just as strong and powerful, and when those knockouts come, guaranteed. Oh, I guarantee you everybody's going to shut up and it's going to be like nothing happened. Um, so when can the high-profile lightweight be expected? He said it should be L.A. or Vegas, most likely Vegas, April 2nd. I've, ha- I've heard some murmurs and just saw this of late that it might be Tevin Farmer. Um, so I don't know. Um, as far as, uh, this is on BoxingScene.com, NUA and Donaire rematch is in negotiations. Another fight we were talking about in April, um, it would obviously be the rematch, of course, from a, a really fun fight from 2019, right? Um, according to BoxingScene.com, a Bantamweight Championship unification bout between the WBA, IBF, Ring Magazine, Titleist, anyway, and the WBC crown holder, Nonito Donaire, is currently in negotiations to be staged for April in Japan. Um, if they could get that on the zone, that'd be big there, but I don't know if there's already contracts figured out like that. Donaire promoter, Probellum CEO Richard Schaefer told uh, them on Monday. So he's uh, with the Honda uh, take uh, taking um, you know promotions, and they're they're looking to make that fight. So it, it's not ideal because we've already seen it, but it was a good fight. So I, I never really rip on good fights getting made again. You know what I mean? This is a little bit of the the Twitter stuff between Gam, Gambo, Cambosis, Cambosis, Gamboa, uh, Cambosos, and Devin Haney. Um, so he said, yo, George, we're making this fight happen or what? Are we making this fight happen or what? I'm agreeing to all your terms, whether it's the vaccine or travel. It's starting to look like someone's ducking going on or someone's ducking. He said, I love how you manipulate and lie to your fans. Talk a big game. This is Cambosis, but show no action. 
albeit like your fights. I'm patiently waiting with all the belts for the offer from your boss, Mr. Eddie Hearn, because I got a stadium ready in Australia, but I can see the excuses already. So he's saying, hey, and this is what I was talking about earlier, Eddie Hearn, I don't know if he's made the offer or not, but he did talk about that quite a long time. Here's the response from Devin Haney. So you want our side to put up the money in your backyard. Okay, no problem. See you soon. Keep those bells safe because they'll be leaving Australia soon, which I I just assumed that was what it was. This is Talk Sport. Uh, Bob Aram, Tyson Fury, and Dillian White. It actually, it was supposed to be yesterday, I think, the purse bid call to say, hey, we're going to do a purse bid. But I think I got pushed back to Friday. Um, Bob Aram has revealed that how uh, he said, you know, he's going to try to reach an agreement before the purse bids. But he said, however, I've also named Robert Hellenius and, and Manuel Char as potential opponents for Fury if White Fight doesn't happen. That's what he told Oxford Fight Night. So let's hope not. Here's another thing that I was going to talk about. This from like a few days ago from the Zone Boxing Show. Eddie Hearn has revealed that they uh, have approached um, – they've been approached, I should say. They've been approached by some folks with some money in the Middle East saying that they could do the Devin Haney-George Cambosis fight in the Middle East and believes there's a close to getting a firm offer. So, that you know, they've been talking about it, I guess. They haven't gotten an offer fully yet. But, um, yeah. There was a tweet by Carlos Toro. Uh, the WB announced – this is kind of news off of this tweet. I saw this. They announced they removed five boxers, the WBC did, from their rankings for not enrolling in its clean boxing program. Uh, Chris Billiam Smith, the cruiserweight from the UK, I think he's from maybe he's from Sweden actually. Uh, Connor Ben, Mario Barrios, uh, Mauricio Lara, and Lee McGregor. Now Jake says Barrios being removed is strange considering he's already done Vada for every fight. So it doesn't necessarily mean these guys are dirty. They just may not be doing that fight and doing some other some other thing. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of news anyway. We got one more item and then I think we'll go into the, yeah, let's just go into the boxing Twitter segment and shut this thing down. Um, okay. So it says PBC catered to 2 million American fans, half which illegally stream their fights. DAZN catered to half the entire globe, including American fight fans who actually watched the sport religiously. Oh, because some dude said, again, does zone boxing ain't popping like that here? And he said, this isn't com- uh, comparable. Well, I'll tell you what. If he, he says the PBC caters to 2 million American fans, half of them stream their fights illegally. So, well, that doesn't make any sense because their pay-per-views aren't doing a million. <laughs> so you're saying half of them are – what? Are you talking about Fox, the two million thing? I don't know what that was, um, but I did see this guy talking about just a variety of stuff. But it, it doesn't caters to half of the globe. It's kind of funny because I, the first thing I thought of, well, and this is Bab saying, well, actually the PBC fights are distributed international, and some of them even you know in, in from the zone in markets. 
So I, I don't know that. I don't. I'm not sure what. I think it has to do with the pay per view, guys. Pay per view stuff. Um, I wouldn't watch Thurman Barrios if it was part of my subscription. It's just a pointless fight. Doesn't mean I'm not going to rip it to pieces for costing seventy five dollars. Because that is official now. It's $75, not a half price. I did try to get word through two different ways, uh, one on Twitter and one uh, texting somebody to see if it's available in the theater. But he says, I wouldn't watch the Thurman Barrios fight if it was part of my – it's a pointless fight if it was part of my subscription. That's kind of weird to me because if you look at the odds for the fight, it's a really – closely odds fight because, you know, what's-his-toes has been out of it. I'm not saying I'm happy <laughs> that it's on pay-per-view, but I'm just, I'm talking about the actual fight. You'd probably watch the fight <laughs> if it was just part of your, you know, subscription. I think it's an interesting fight because he's been out of the ring for over two and a half years, you know, and Barrios is coming off, although a loss, but a good performance, so I'm not saying there's a difference between the fight and do I like it on pay-per-view main event full price. That's two different things. But to say you wouldn't watch it, it's one of the most evenly fights matched on the betting odds right now. So that part, I'm like, huh? Oh, here's a perfect boxing Twitter thing. Stevenson Valdez is the least interesting great fight in boxing. Stevenson Valdez is the least interesting great fight in boxing. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? So that's a bat. That's not interesting. It's a great fight, but it's not interesting. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so fucking weird. I swear to God, like you just can't. Oh, this is more on this. <laughs> God. These are kind of pay-per-view heavy stuff. <laughs> um, y'all crying about Thurman Barrios being on pay-per-view the main argument being it's not pay-per-view worthy got it but Crawford Porter was worth it and they couldn't get y'all to buy it based on the numbers that came back says fuck out of here most of you aren't buying anything regardless that's what I'm saying like how are you going to argue about a fight you're not going to pay for you anyway I mean, I see some of these dudes ask for a DAZN stream or an ESPN Plus stream. I've seen people ask for Fox streams. That shit's free. Like, I get it. If you don't buy pay-per-views, that's cool. If you're just straight up, I'm not going to buy them, F them. That's cool. But if you're going to turn around and complain about a price of a pay-per-view that you're not going to buy anyway, it's just kind of silly. Here's a perfect example. Like most Oh, like most here, I could easily afford seventy-five. But damn, I'm, but damn, if I'm gonna, it leaves a bad, it leaves a bad message. So basically, he's saying the seventy-five bucks that we talked about for the Spence or for the uh, Thurman um, Barrios fight. He says, "What's next, Spence Ugas for one hundred and twenty-five bucks? What, Spencer Crawford for two hundred bucks? Are you fucking stupid?" Canelo better be it for two fifty. See, that's just some stupid shit. Like, there's been two hundred dollar fights in the history of the sport. Do you think they're gonna? You think they're gonna charge you two hundred? But like, just stop. 
Apparently, an, oh, God, this one. This dude's, oh, wow. Okay, so apparently until Bud starts drunk driving, flipping cars, hanging with drill rappers and busting his gun and club, which Errol Spence never busted his club, you know, his gun in the club, PBC Love and Fight fans won't buy Crawford's pay-per-views. <laughs> so he's, this guy found a way to blame the PBC fans for not buying Crawford's pay-per-view. <laughs> Always amazed at how few main event caliber fighters have perchable uh, merchandise. That's a good tweet. It is true. It is kind of true. It's like, damn, really? Why don't you have that? Oh, here's the – maybe we should – Maybe we should leave it on this one, because this one's a doozy. This one is a doozy, dude. This is a good enough fanboy tweet. we got to leave it on this. I think Callum Smith knocks Artur Betterbeev out. You can see what C-level light heavyweight like Diaz and Callum Johnson did to him. Callum Smith scored one of the most brutal knockouts against Lennon Castile last year. Callum Smith punched him so hard, he turned into an electric eel and seizures on the floor. Lennon Steele went uh, 12 full rounds with Bivol and also knocked out Marcus Mam Brown. So this dude thinks he's going to tell him Smith could just fuck up better be a period because he beat a faded George Groves. Okay, anyway... Because how many rounds did he win? He didn't win as many rounds as Billy O. Saunders and uh, Caleb Plant did. I'll tell you that against Canelo. Did he win one round? Did he fight that night? I'm not sure. But anyway, I'm going to get out of here. You guys enjoy the fights. Let's hope we get just a great fight. We'll be back next week. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that 